0: Uh, receiving that this morning, Lord. God, I just uh, uh, just thank you again for this opportunity to come together, Lord, and to be together as a family, Lord. Uh, just bless us as we continue in our worship. In your son Jesus' precious name we pray, amen. You may be seated. You know, I don't get nervous that often, that easy. I love to speak, but staring at Brutus, for the last four months is a little different than looking at uh, all of you guys. So uh, he's more intimidating, by the way. Um. I, have, I haven't given an OSU joke in forever, so I had to do something. But it is so great to be back with you uh, in person. Um, thank you for everybody who's still watching online. Uh, we love you. We miss you. We can't wait for everybody to be back in person. Um, we also want to make sure that uh, re- we recognize somebody today. And uh, that person is our illustrious um, pastor's son. Oh, Jared thought I was going to talk about him. Um no so uh no my son Justin shares a birthday with another awesome guy and that's Jared our worship pastor our youth pastor see it's been so long our youth pastor um and, and his birthday is today so um he's a baby of like 23 I think um 24 my fault 5 wow wow oh my goodness you're a quarter of a century So, no, it is so awesome to be back with you, and uh, a few announcements that we do have. Uh, Vacation Bible School is coming upon us. It will be the whole month of August, and and it's going to be on Sundays, Um, so make sure you talk with Christy. It will be... done virtually so you can talk with Christy you can talk to Lisa they will get you all of the details to help you out with all of that uh, so uh, encourage you make sure you're you're signing up for that and, and do that now because they want to make sure they have all of their bags ready uh, to go for you because we want to have the best vacation Bible school that we can even if it is virtually also CIY it's the end of this month we're really looking forward to that uh, thank you for all of the gifts that you've uh, given to CIY Jared has has been working hand-in-hand uh, hand with CIY. It is still going to be virtual in the sense that we can't go to Ohio or Maryland or anywhere else, but it will be here in Person um, at the church, so they're going to be inside. They're going to be outside. They're they're gonna. It's just going to be an awesome time. It's going to only instead of being a five day event, it's only going to be a two day event. But we're going to cram everything into that, and the kids are just going uh, to have an awesome, awesome experience of that. We've got a live band that's coming in to play to uh, help the youth get connected and engaged even more. Uh, we're still collecting for our serve food drive. You can keep bringing those items in outside. We have that big uh, can that's out there. You can put those items inside of there. You can take it directly to serve and drop it off there as well. So I encourage you to make sure um, that you are helping that way. Uh, Also, um, cleaning supplies. Um, Thank you for all that you've given. You can stop for a little while. It's awesome. But one item, if you see it, that we need is Lysol. Not wipes, but Lysol spray. So if you see Lysol spray out, um, we are going to need that for our chairs because we, um, as you see, we have to social distance. Uh, It's a holiday weekend and we're still almost full. So we'll be putting out a survey tomorrow and we'll probably be doing it every week because we need to know how many people will be coming. And thank you for all that did RSVP and filled out the survey. Everyone took the survey except for two. And I was one of those. Um, supposedly, I took it, but I don't know. Um, but anyways, uh, I encourage you, make sure you're filling that out, because we want to make sure that we have enough seats inside of here. Next week, the kids zone will also be open. So we're looking forward to that, so the preschool's going to stay closed for the time being. Um, it's hard to try to get um, a one-year-old. They can't yet count to, you know, three, four or five, yet we want them to understand six feet. So a little hard, we're going to keep them in here with us right now. Preschool still be in here, but Kids Zone next week will be open and we'll let you know as things progress what that looks like. But again, we're, we're just so encouraged to be back here with you. Uh, we're going to continue our series um, of talking about prayer. But uh, again, one last thing uh, before we get into the message um, offering. I encourage you to remember that you can always give your offering. Um, You can give it online, and many of you have done that. And thank you for all of the gifts that have come in over the last several uh, months. Uh, You have kept us going and kept us really moving forward thank you for your gifts. You can give it. We have the offering boxes in the back that you can put those in on your way out. You can give it during the week. However you need to do so, please make sure uh, that you continue uh, to serve in that way here uh, at the church and around the world. So let's pray and we'll get into our message. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you that we're able to worship you. I thank you that we're able to meet in person. And Father, I know that there are still many people that are not able uh, to get out or they're traveling because it's the holiday weekend, um, because of illness, whatever it is, Lord, um, that that we can't meet in person. I just ask that you be with all of those, that you keep them healthy, that you keep them safe. Father, as we gather, that we will continue to be healthy, that we will continue to be safe. Uh, Lord, we know that you are are greater. We know that you are stronger, that your power is mightier than than anything that we may go through in this life. And, and, And it's difficult circumstances. It's hard circumstances. But Father, Father, you have given us so many amazing things. And we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you that we're able to meet in person. We thank you that we're able to have so many blessings in our lives. We pray all of this in your son's name. Amen. Well, happy Independence Day weekend. Uh, I hope all of you had a great day yesterday, that you're going to have a good day today, continuing to cook out and all of that. And, you know, I thought about a few things. You know, uh, we live in the most amazing country that we could possibly live in. Um, You know, do we have our problems? Yes. Do we have our differences? Yes. But we are still free. And, And that is a true blessing. But it's only in America that you go to a bank and they leave their doors open but they put their pens on a chain. It's only in America that we leave cars that are worth thousands of dollars sitting in the driveway, but we put boxes of junk inside of the garage. It's only in America that you can buy hot dogs in packages of how many? 10, but, but how many buns do you get? Eight, yes, absolutely. You know why they did that? Because if you do have a pet, you're supposed to give those to those animals. That's what I tell Teresa. Um, Get in trouble all the time for that one. Thinking of Independence Day. How many signed the Declaration of Independence? Anybody know? Anybody know? 42. How many? 54? I heard that. There's a lot of people that only know one name. What name is that? John Hancock, yeah, he, he wanted to make sure that he wanted to make sure the king could see it and that we could see it as well. And it's usually the only name, but it made me think of, of a teacher who was giving a quiz to her students about American history. And she said, Johnny, who signed the Declaration of Independence? After thinking for a while, Johnny replied, lady, I don't care. I don't know and I don't care. The teacher was a little put off by his attitude and she told him to go home and bring uh, his father with him the next day to school. So the next day he came back with the father and uh, they sat in the very back row and the teacher started giving the quiz again and and she looked at Johnny and she said, okay, Johnny, I'm going to ask you one more time, who signed the declaration of independence to which spunky Johnny said, I told you, I don't know and I don't care. The father then jumped up, pointed a stern finger at his son, and he says, Johnny, if you sign that paper, just get it over with and tell the teacher. And here we are, 244 years later. And as we celebrate our independence and we think about our country's amazing heritage, we can't help but just be thankful for the courage and the vision of our founding fathers. At the same time, as we look at how our country is doing right now, we can't help but wonder what went wrong. In Proverbs fourteen thirty four, we read, Righteousness exalts a nation, but sin is a disgrace to any people. Here's a question that you probably didn't think that would be asked on Independence Sunday or weekend. Is God upset with America? Is judgment coming soon? Has it already started? Those are questions that I've been asked a lot in, in recent days, in recent weeks, in recent months. And that leads to another series of questions. What can we do as believers to stem the rushing tide of secularism, re- relativism, hedonism in our post-Christian society? What can we do as a nation to make an impact on our culture today. So let's set the context. We're, we're gonna look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, and we're gonna break that verse down, but we need to set the context of that verse before we really get into it. And, and I wanna give you the proposition of the message today. God's people, following God's plan, will receive God's promises. You see, when we do what God says, we will enjoy his promises. We are blessed. Listen, we are blessed when we do things God's way. So as we prepare to look at Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, this is a verse that is very often quoted in times like this. To say that America needs revival. Without a doubt, it's the most famous passage, most quoted passage in all of 2 Chronicles. Many people really don't know what happened in 2 Chronicles at all, but we know 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. And as we study it this morning, let's keep the context in mind so that we interpret it and we apply it Correctly. So the second book of Chronicles records the construction of the temple under the direction of King Solomon. In, in chapter six, Solomon dealt down before God's people. He spread his hands out toward heaven, and he broke out into an amazing prayer of dedication. And then right after that, in, in Second Chronicles chapter seven, verses one through three, this is what we read. As soon as Solomon finished his prayer, fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priest could not enter the house of the Lord, because the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. When all the people of Israel saw the fire come down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed down with their faces to the ground and on the pavement and worshipped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying... For he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. That's some kind of prayer, isn't it? Could you imagine that kind of prayer? The the, the type of prayer. I mean, we long for that type of prayer. And not just the prayer, it's the response that we long for, right? I mean, many times we pray. And we pray for our, our, our personal selves, we pray for our country, we pray for healing, we pray for all of these things, and, and we go, God, are you, are you listening? God, are you there? I, I, I don't know if I really hear you right now, God. We would, lo- we would love to have a moment like this, that the moment... The very moment that he stopped praying, he finished praying and fire from heaven came down. Now, as much as we say we would love that, I don't know about you. That would be a little scary. But that's the power. That's the presence of the Lord. After offering a huge sacrifice, Solomon and all the people dedicated the temple to God. Everyone stood up the priests took their positions. The Levites gathered their instruments and they played from their hearts. After celebrating and, and praising, not, not just one day, not, 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 just for, not just for an hour, not just for 30 minutes, but they celebrated and they prayed for two weeks straight. That, that, that's what we read here. And in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 10 says that the people went back to their homes joy, joyful and glad of heart. Now later that night, everyone has left. Everyone has went back home. The Lord appeared to Solomon to tell him that his prayers had been heard. That's the immediate context that we get for Solomon Second Chronicles 7, 14, and this is what we read. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Now the first word that we read as we break down this verse now, it, it, it's a conditional clause here what what does god say to solomon he says if he starts there if see god is saying if we follow his plan then we will receive his promises the the next phrase identifies whom he is addressing he says if my people who are called by my name as we've already established this verse addresses who the nation of the usa No, it is directly impacting the nation of Israel. God wants to make sure that they will act like his people, even once they get settled in the routine. But we can apply this a little bit into our lives too, right? We get back into a routine, don't we? Everything kind of, you know, and, and, and we saw this as we went to Facebook Live, right off of the bat, Everybody was on Facebook Live. Everybody every Sunday was, was tuning in. And, and we, were, we had some hiccups and we had some learning curves and, and we were trying to figure everything out. But, but everybody stayed with us and everybody was there. But then we kind of got settled into a routine. And our numbers kind of, they, they, they dropped down and then they kind of steadied off and then they came up and they kinda, then they just kind of started doing this a little bit. But, and we do that in our lives. We, we, we start off the beginning of the year. And we say, okay, I'm gonna get in a routine and I'm gonna start praying every day and I'm gonna read my Bible every single day and, and I'm gonna work out every single day and this is gonna be awesome. But then the next thing we know, we're behind a day and then we're behind a, a couple of days. Oh, it's okay, I'm gonna read it all at once and I'm gonna catch up. And, and then it's another day and another, I remember back in college, uh, um, I had to take a geology class And he said, um, I'm not gonna give you a timeline of when these papers are due, but you will have 50 papers that will be due, a minimum of three to five pages each. And man, I started out hot and heavy. Every single week, I did my paper like I was supposed to do. And I did it, and I did it, and I did it. And then I was like, ah, I'm gonna go play football. Oh, we're gonna go get something to eat. Oh, I'm gonna, and the next thing I know, it's the end of the semester. And I had a lot of papers to do over the course of about a 24-hour period. I got them turned in. I wasn't worth anything for the next couple of days, but I got it done. And and we do that with the Bible. We do that with working out. We do that with our eating habits. We do that with with our prayer life. We get settled into a routine. And God says, "I, I don't want that to happen for my people. I want you to stay connected. I want you to stay in my word. I want you to stay praying every single day. We are called to act like his people. We are called to live it out in our culture and let it be known who we are. You see, contrary to how many people view ourselves and how we as Americans view ourselves, we are not God's chosen nation. That, that was the nation of, of Israel. Only ancient Israel is God's chosen nation. Even though this verse is addressed to Israel, God says that believers in the Lord Jesus Christ are now my people who are called by my name. So we can still pull from it many things. And in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, it refers to God's people this way. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. We belong to God and we need to make sure that we start acting like it, that we start living it out every single day. We are his people and we are called by his name. God knows that his people can lose their first love that we can get soft in our spirituality and that we can even get numb towards knowing who he is. Psalm 85 verse 6 makes a request for revival. Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? We need revival on a regular basis or we will lose our joy. We will lose our spiritual intensity. We need revival in our lives. Habakkuk 3, 2, the prophet prays, Lord, I have heard of your fame. I stand in all of your deeds. O oh Lord, renew them in our day, in our time, make them known many of us need renewal many of us need revival we need it in our lives we need it so we can rejoice in him but here's the thing we hear that word revival and and what do we think of the old old old-fashioned tent revivals right yeah In, in in the second third week of august and it's 190 degrees And we're set up underneath of a tent and we're just praying, Lord, give us fans, give us a breeze. I think I'm going to die. I think I'm going to pass out. Lord, I may see you right now because, oh, you know, I feel feel his spirit. Nope, I'm about to pass out. You know, we think of those kind of revivals, right? We think of it being church organized, but that's not necessarily what we have to understand. Biblical revival happens to God's people who determine to follow his plan. That's what biblical revival is, that we say we will follow your plan. We will follow who you are, that we can receive your promises. What are those things that we are responsible to do? How do we follow God's plan? I think there's four conditions that we need to to follow. The first one is humility. We have been called to humble ourselves. God wants you to see yourself as he does no more, no less. Let's face it. It's not easy for the average American to be humble because we're a proud people, aren't we? We all are pretty proud of many different things. It's hard to be humble. One person said this, we Americans generally want to think of ourselves as good people. That, in many respects, is where the trouble begins. In James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Humility is the opposite of pride. Friends, we need to really take a look at our hearts. We need to make sure that we are not exalting self. If we think we're better than we are, then we have no need for a Savior, and that's very, very dangerous water. Someone else has said, we overestimate our goodness, and we underestimate the pervasiveness of sin in our lives. Oh, isn't that the truth? If the truth were known, many of us think our sins don't smell as bad as others. Well, at least I didn't do that. Well, at least I didn't go down that path. At least I did this. And we compare ourselves to one another, right? But when we compare ourselves to the Lord, when we compare ourselves to Jesus, who is perfect in every way, we realize that we're not that good at all. So we have to start with humility. The second thing, after humbling ourselves, is we have been commanded here to pray This seems a little easier than the first one because we know how to ask God things for, right? I mean, it's easy um, to humble ourselves. Ah, that's a little hard, but hey, God, can you give me this? I know how to pray. I, I, I know how to get things. Now, I'm good at that. But as we talked about it, as we started this series on prayer and we looked at how Jesus taught his disciples to pray, we need to start with the goodness of God, the, to exalt him. Because when we do, that will put us in our place as realizing we're not on the same level that we still have problems in our lives today. Begin with the greatness of God. That's what we've been called to do. If we go back, Solomon followed this same model of prayer. Back in chapter six, verse 14, this is what we read. O Lord, God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven and on earth. And then he moved to, posit- to petition in verse 17. He says, Let your word that you confirmed, which you have spoken to your servant David. He started with God and who he is, and then he eventually moved on in verse 17. And then we come to the, the third condition, and that's seek God's face. Seek God's face. The idea of seeking implies a desire for something of great value. If we look at Luke chapter 15, it's the woman who lost her coin. It didn't seem like much to everyone else, but to her, it was everything. And she searched and she desired to seek for that coin. It reminds me of, of the shepherd who had the hundred sheep and one sheep was lost. And even though he had 99, "Ah, it's okay if I lose one. No, it wasn't okay, was it? He said, I have to seek after that one to bring them all back into the fold, even the one who has wandered off. You see, when we seek something of value, we rearrange our schedule. We make sure that our priorities are Are right. When we seek something, we are persistent. Matthew 7 7 promises that when we seek, we will find. In Jeremiah 29, verse 13, it says that when we seek God with our whole heart, we will find him. So how do we seek God's face? In the Bible, this phrase is is used of someone desiring an audience with a prince or with God Himself. This is how it is used in Psalm Psalm 27, verse 8. My heart says of you, seek his face. Your face, Lord, I will seek. We are aligning ourselves with him. That's what we've been called to do. Friends, are you actively seeking an audience with God so that you can do his will? Are you rearranging your priorities so that you are putting him first in everything that you do? The good news is that we don't have to look too hard to find him. He's right there. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13, Paul says, but now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near through the blood of Christ. And so as God's people We are to follow God's plans by humbling ourselves, by praying, by seeking his face. There's one more condition. Turn from our wicked ways. How can we know when we are coming close to praying and seeking God's face enough when we're willing to put the way we live on the line? Are we willing to put our everything on the line for what we believe in? For what we stand for. Just as God's people in the Old Testament often turned their backs on God, so too we have that same tendency. Well, but I still come to church. Well, I, I, I attend it online. Well, I'm still giving my money. Well, I still help with the serve food drive. But what about your whole life? Is He your priority? There's really no way to soften the command to turn from our wicked ways. God accepts only one response to sin. Don't rationalize it. Don't make excuses. And don't compare yourself to anyone else. We do that all the time. He demands what? That we turn from it. Turn from your wicked ways ways. Don't make excuses. Don't rationalize it. Don't go well. It's not as bad as someone else's. No. Admit that you have sinned. That's what we've been called to do. We need to be willing to admit that we have messed up. We deal with our wicked ways. How do we do that? Admit our sin. Admit your sin and then abandon your sin. Walk away from it. God says, that as long as we're hanging on to a a sinful practice, as long as we have a sinful attitude, we cannot open up heaven and he can't open up heaven and bless us. Have you been playing around with sin? Recognize it and repent right now. Have you been doing some stuff that you know that is wrong? Turn from it today. Have you been withholding forgiveness from someone? Stop acting like the judge. Free them so they don't have to pay back. Do you have some dark secrets that you're trying to hide from your family, from your friends, even from God himself? Bring them into the light. Have you been trying to run your own life and not humbly and prayerfully seeking God's face? Surrender it to him. Because if you do, you will receive God's promises. I think there's three promises that we can talk as we start to, to bring all of this message together here today. And it starts with that word "then. Then, God will hear. When we seek His face, God will hear. When we pray the way God directs us to pray. He promises that he will hear our prayers. We don't have to worry about getting God's attention. He is on the line 24-7. He delights in hearing the prayers of his children. Psalm 121 verse 4 says, Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. God will hear and God will forgive. This is that second promise that he will forgive our sins. And when he says that he will forgive them, the the direct translation is that he will send them away. That he will let them go. Let it go. Just, just, Just let it all go. Send it away. Psalm 103, verse 12. I love this. This It's one of my favorite scriptures. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. We're the ones that hold on to him. When we ask him for for his forgiveness, when we ask him to forgive our sins, he says, okay, turn from him. Leave them alone. Leave them there. I forgot them. We bring them up in our own minds. We bring up our sin over and over and over again. Satan brings up our sin over and over and over again. In Revelation 12, 10, he is the one that is standing there accusing all of us. He is the great accuser. We're the ones that hold on to it, but Jesus, but God says, hey, as far as the East is from the West, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. There are at least two kinds of forgiveness that are taught in in Scripture. Our initial forgiveness happens at our conversion. When we give our lives over to Jesus Christ, and and if you need that decision in your life that you need to accept him for the very first time, you can make that decision, and you can accept him, and and we'll talk about what that means. And that is the redemption forgiveness. Your your sins are, are wiped away. They are washed away in in the waters of baptism. The other forgiveness has to do, though, with the daily cleansing. That's where repenting comes in, where we are receiving that restoration forgiveness, that each day we realize that we mess up. Each day we realize that that we have fallen short of his glory, and we say, God, forgive me. I I could rattle off a whole list to you, and, and, and I will, And I know I'm going to forget some. But Father, forgive me. I know I've messed up. So let me explain how I view our role in, in God sending revival. Here's how it works. While we're commanded to pray as a nation, we can't just complain and bemoan how bad things are in our country. You see, we're the problem. I'm the problem. Travis is the problem, Matthew is the problem, Jared's the problem, Rob's the problem. We're, we are the problem. Well, it's the nation's fault and it's, it's, it's the Republicans' fault and it's that guy in the White House's fault and it's the Democrats' fault and it's the Senate's fault and it's, it's those, those, those heathens that don't wanna come to church anymore and they're not. It's everybody else's fault, right? Why don't we just admit that we're the problem? It has to start here. It has to start personally. Uh, America's problem is not so much in our system, but in us. God always intends for revival to start with his people. It goes from the Christian to the church, to the community, to the country, or to the county, to the country, and then to the continents. Are you willing to make that start today today? You have to make the start with yourself. That's what it all comes down to. And how do we do it? You ever just had a big jolt in your life? Now, I'm not talking about the, how many remember jolt? Yeah, Jared's like, what, what's jolt? I've never heard of that, I'm too young. Man, when you needed to stay, I, when you had to stay up writing, you know, 50 papers, um, you needed jolts back in the day. It, it was like Mountain Dew on steroids, okay? I mean, like, it kept you up. But there's other jolts that happen in our lives. Um, anybody ever been shocked by a defibrillator? Anybody? Okay. Well, one person. Ouch. How many, how many of you have ever just had, um, you know, just that feeling, Ugh. You know, that, that's, that, that's the jolt that we need. I mean, if you've ever watched somebody get nailed by a defibrillator, I, I've seen it a couple of times in the hospital and many of us have probably seen it, um, you know, on a TV show, all right? You're watching Grey's Anatomy, you're watching old episodes of ER and George Clooney. You know, they, they take the paddles and they go, Claire, you know, and they jolt, and the body jumps. Maybe that's exactly... What we need in our lives today. Something radical has to be done to restart our heart for God if it's stopped. Maybe it's just kind of a, a, a slow beat. And you just need that jolt in your life to get you back going. We see this in, in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13. The verse immediately preceding our passage for today, says, when I shut up the heavens so that there is no rain or command locusts to devour the land or send a pestilence among my people. And then we jump into verse 14, if my people who are called by my name. God needed to send a wake up call to Israel. He sent drought, he sent the locusts, he sent the plague not because he doesn't care for his people, he knows what it will take to bring them back, to bring his people back. Maybe this explains some of the jolts that you've been feeling in your life lately. Maybe you've hit bottom because God has been trying to get your attention. You've been asking that why And God is answering because I wanna restart your failing heart. Maybe you haven't responded to gentler therapies. He's hit you just with something small, a little tap, a little thump. That didn't work and so you needed that thump in your life, that big jolt running through you. He wants you to return to your first love. He wants you to return to Jesus. He wants to reestablish your daily Jesus time as the center of your life. He doesn't want you to have droughts. He doesn't want you to have those, those times of weakness. He wants you to be full on for him. He wants to bring revival to his people, to you individually. Yes, to our nation. Yes, to the world. But it has to start with you personally and and so every week we we take communion and hopefully you grab your communion in the back um and and the way that these work is you just there's two poles the the first one you pull back and there's the bread and and you take it out and uh it's not the greatest flavor I know many of you have used different things over the last weeks but you just take that bread out and this bread it, it represents the body that was broken for us. And then underneath of that, you can kind of pull that one back there and then you have your juice. And I'm gonna pray for us and once I pray, you can take your communion when you're ready. And I want you to think about what the Lord did for you. Jesus loves you. He gave his life for you to set you free so as we take this bread as we take this juice I want you to just give thanks to him if there's something in your life right now that you need to repent of now's that time let's pray gracious father lord we thank you for the gift of your son we thank you that his body was broken for us father as we partake of this bread we remember all of the pain that your son went through his body was destroyed And father as we take of this blood it was his blood that was spilt upon calvary lord for the first time all of the weight of the sin of the world came upon him and you could not be a part of that and you had to pull away from him Lord, we thank you that he stayed. We thank you for your son. We thank you that we can remember and that we will have revival starting in our own hearts today. We pray this in your son's name.